0: Hello and welcome to another week of The Extras. Lachlan here, joined by... Sam, hello everybody. It's good to see you. Good to... you (laughs) I'm not seeing you, but... uh, (laughs) Sure, you look
1: beautiful. I'm glad you're here.
0: Yes. Uh, Sam, this week we are discussing the second half of Ezekiel chapter 3. This is our third week now in the book of Ezekiel. How good's Ezekiel? It's been great. I've been greatly benefited myself just in spending time in this word. Yeah. Praying that others have been as well. Uh, look, let me give you a quick rundown of the weekend because yeah, you've been doing that it. the last couple of Please, weeks. Please tell us what
1: it was all about in chapter 3.
0: Second half of chapter 3, uh, God comes to Ezekiel after seven days where Ezekiel has you know, seen God, heard from God, been commissioned by God in chapter 1, 2 and the first half of 3. And now seven days later, Ezekiel's done nothing. God comes to him again and says, no, no, you, you will be my prophet. In fact, you will be a watchman for Israel. Uh, and that watchman image we talked about, both of us had different illustrations of that, Sam. Uh, I talked about the, the lifeguard who's mm. watching for the shark out the back in the ocean. And if they see one, they have to sound the siren. Mm, uh, nice. I grew up with shark sirens <laughs> many, a, many times as a kid. You're a kid, beach kid. yeah. Uh, and, you know, I knew when I hear that siren, I've got to get out of the water. Yeah. And if the lifeguard didn't sound the siren and the shark attacked someone, oh, they've, they've mm. failed at their job. Yeah. And people will get hurt and people Mm. might even die. Yeah. And so God's saying, Ezekiel, that's you for the people of Israel. There's judgment coming. There's destruction coming and you have to warn the people. Uh, And if you don't, then that's going to be on you. Mm.
1: Yeah. Nice.
0: So we had a bunch of questions come in.
1: We did. Yeah, um, let's let's dive in, hey? We've, we've got a bunch here. We're going to just alternate through them as we have uh, done uh, the last little while. So, uh, can I throw the first one to yeah. you, then Lachlan? Um, let's do. So, there's a bunch of stuff going on. As you read in 16 to, to 19 and 20 and 21, um, God kind of lays out a bunch of scenarios for mm. Ezekiel, like kind of if you do this, but you don't do this, you know. Um, and uh, somebody's noted in the different warnings there, whether Ezekiel does or doesn't warn them, there's a bit of changing of the tense. Like sometimes they're in present tense and then it goes to past tense. Um, is there something going on with the, ter- with the tenses there um, or is, is that trying to flag some sort of specific event? Something's in the present, something's in the
0: past. Yeah. Help
1: us understand the tense forms going on there.
0: Look, I want to say to the person who asked this, good on you for looking at the tenses of verbs. That's a great thing to do mm. in your reading of the Bible. Yep. It's good to look at that level of detail. Yep. Uh, in this particular instance, it's one of those moments where uh, actually the English language and the English translators are changing tense in a way that's not there in the underlying Hebrew text. Yeah, gotcha. uh, And that's really unfortunate, but sometimes just to help us understand a passage... Yep. that needs to happen the Hebrew yep. tense system is very different to the English tense system yeah, it doesn't match yeah, right. up in a one to one way yep uh, and so when we translate yep there are decisions that have to be made on something like that yeah uh, so in this particular case you know the the switch to a past tense in verse 20 no it's not referring to any specific event it still actually functions in the same way as the hypothetical in verse 18 yeah. so it's still in that hypothetical realm since you did not warn them uh, the first part of the verse hasn't happened. Mm. There was an if there, if that didn't happen, then the consequence will come.
1: Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I think it's like sometimes, like sometimes there is a real difference in tense form, isn't there? And it's good Definitely. to notice it. Other times, even in our own language, I was talking about this someone the other day, you can tell stuff that happened in the past in the present tense. Yeah. Like you can say, yesterday I went to the shop and then you can go all dramatic, and you go, like, and i walk in, and the guy, he's saying to me, uh, here's the stuff, and mm. it's all in the present tense, mm. but we mm. know from the first context that I'm mm. talking about the past, and so tenses are weird
0: things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, great question, um, but nothing particular going yeah. on here. Yeah. 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 Nice one. Uh, Sam, over to you for one. Nice. Uh, so we're dealing with Ezekiel as a prophet here, and a couple of years ago, last year, when was it? We were looking at Jonah as a church, yeah. so it might have just been last year. It was last year with Raj, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts on the difference between them? Ezekiel here is mm. made particularly accountable and responsible as this watchman. Yep. Jonah didn't seem to be as responsible for passing on his warning.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's what the person's texted in. So it feels like Ezekiel's responsible. Jonah's not. I, I, I'm not so sure on that. in that I think I feel like God feels holds um, Jonah pretty pretty mm. responsible. You know, Jonah gets the word of the Lord come to him, and then he goes um, he goes elsewhere. He goes down, down, mm. down, down to Tarshish, mm. down to the ship, down into the ship, down. And runs away as far. If God is up, Ezekiel goes down. Mm. (laughs) No, Jonah goes down. And uh, there's this real sort of um, fleeing from God. But God holds him responsible. God sends his fish, grabs him up from the bottom of the ocean, vomits him up, and then recommissions him and sends him on. So God, similar, I think, to Ezekiel, will not let um, any kind of reticence on the prophet's behalf um, in uh, impede the message going forward mm. and so i think it's the same um they're, they're warned in, in different ter- terms and god is doing different things in each of them and, and at the end of jonah uh chapter four you see god actually uh kind of unveiling what's what's really going on in jonah's heart and you get a bit of a sense of that and there'll be times through ezekiel actually where we'll see a sense of um the the, the turmoil within ezekiel's own heart um mm. as, as as he goes on as well so um but i think in in in, in a similar sense god holds them both accountable to make sure that the word is delivered so yeah yeah, um can't get away from it. no nor 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 can ezekiel yeah 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 Yeah.
0: great thank you all
1: right um now we've got a bunch of kind of versions of the same question um which was with the watchman image god is making ezekiel responsible Mm -hmm. he he must speak And, and i guess lots of people are trying to work out how do, how do we relate to Ezekiel? And are we held responsible to speak God's word in the same way as Ezekiel was? Uh, so, you know, is that if we don't speak about judgment, are we responsible? Uh, is it if we don't do evangelism, are we responsible? Um, is there a sense in which uh, the New Testament calls us to, to sort of speak the same way? What about us as leaders or parents? Uh, what about... Uh, speaking to our brothers and sisters to other Christians to warn mm. them mm. lots of different versions mm. of them. help me kind of rightly apply Ezekiel's ministry into my life as a mm. as a New Testament Christian
0: yeah it's a important question to ponder and I think both of us Sam wrestled with that as we spoke last Sunday mm. uh, let me start with the answer and then see if we need to work back into some of the workings great I was careful on Sunday not to apply the same kind of accountability to us okay. as Ezekiel has here. I mean, yep. it's pretty strong accountability. Mm. God uses the legal language that Ezekiel will be guilty of murder. Yeah, That's okay. what the language means there. Yep. If you don't warn the wicked person, yep. I'll hold you responsible for his blood. That yeah. is, you'll be guilty of murdering that wicked person because you didn't warn them. Yeah. And same with the righteous person that he doesn't warn. Yep. So there's a legal context and a legal framework of that. Yep. That's what's happening for Ezekiel there. I don't think we see anywhere in the New Testament mm. that we have that same kind of guilt of murder for a lack of speech. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there, there's one hint that you get that the Apostle Paul perhaps took some of that onto himself in Acts 20. as he's speaking to the Ephesian elders? Yeah. Uh, he says he's not guilty of their blood because he has passed on to them the whole counsel of God in yeah. Acts chapter twenty. Yep. Yeah, that wasn't brought up in Paul's commissioning in the book of Acts. So perhaps he's just taken that kind of accountability onto himself. Mm -hmm. But for the average Christian, Mm. I I don't see that anywhere in the New Testament. What I tried to say instead on Sunday is whether we're legally liable or not, if you know that someone's in danger and you don't warn them about it, I mean, that's poor form. Totally. Like, even if you're not legally liable... Mm you've still done a morally wrong mm. thing yep. in that sense. Yep. So if you see someone in the ocean and there's a shark out the back and you, just and you don't on. scream at them, you just yeah. go, oh no, God, yep. should be right. Yep. That, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. And yep. I think the New Testament can lead us to think in those sort of terms because we do know that danger is coming. Nice. God's judgment is still on the horizon. People are still in danger of that when Jesus returns. Mm we're only not in danger because we've seen Jesus, we've seen the exit, we've seen the escape, and we've mm. thrown ourselves at Jesus in his mercy and compassion, we know there's a way out. Yep. Uh, we ought to nice. issue that warning to others and call people to repent. So we're not legally liable for murder before God. Mm. Uh, I guess a different way of framing the question that's interesting to ponder would be, is it therefore sinful? If we hold our tongue and don't speak, yeah. well, can I push on on that one? Because yeah. somebody,
1: one of these questions they um, texted in Matthew ten, um, uh, which has a parallel passage, I think in Luke twelve, the idea of um, if if you deny me mm. in front of people, well, the mm. Son of Man will deny you in, when you know in front of his Father and, in, and the angels' glory, and that kind of idea, um, does that sh- shine some light on on it there? Like is that? Is that similar or different to the watchman idea? I mean, that puts a high bar of,
0: of kind of confessing Jesus, doesn't mm, it? Yeah, it does. It's it's a different kind of speech, I guess, to what Ezekiel's commanded to do here. Acknowledging Christ in some sense is a lesser amount of speech or a lesser content to it. Uh, but that that's a sobering passage in Matthew 10, isn't it? Yeah. That calls us never to... Deny the name of Christ. We we see Peter do that, mm. don't we, when Jesus is being crucified? Mm. And gosh I'm thankful that there's hope for Peter. Yep. Uh, you yep. know, the Lord Jesus includes him back in, and there's forgiveness yeah. for his denial.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. And in in its context, and it's interesting. The Luke 12 one is is a parallel passage, and it puts it in the context of actually being dragged before the Pharisees mm. and being kind of hauled up in front of mm. the, the sort of religious authorities. And, mm. and and it's in that context that they kind of. Warning not to deny, and I think it is in that point where they're going to put put the finger on and go, "Are you a Christian?" Mm. And mm. at that point, I think the point of those passages is less about warning um, yeah. the 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 Pharisees or the or the, uh, the persecutors at that point. Although it's interesting that the um the apostles don't even shirk back from that; they'll they'll put, they'll preach the gospel even in those yeah. moments. And yeah. I think there's a lesson for us there. But the point seems to be about having the courage to say, "Yes, I'm with Jesus," and trusting the Holy Spirit will sort of be with me in that mm. moment um, mm. when I'm terrified. Um, that seems to be the the, the concept that's on view, mm. less so than the than the sort of watchman task of pronouncing the, the judgment of God. Although surely those things are tied up together. I, I, I pay that. It's just, and yeah. yeah. it sounds a little bit like we're
0: splitting hairs, but it, it's a slightly different image, isn't it? It is. It is different. But the, the splitting hairs, I think that's where I want to just come back and say. It doesn't necessarily matter how accountable we are or not. We, we know the truth. We know that judgment's coming. We've got to speak. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And the apostles did that. The early disciples did that. It wasn't just for some subset of Christians. They went out proclaiming this message. Yeah. When the Christians are scattered in the book of Acts under the persecution after Stephen's stoning, yep. they all go out yeah. proclaiming the message of Christ. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's for us as well. And I... I said before, Ezekiel's been helpful for my soul. I've been challenged past Sunday to think, man, I've got neighbours above me, next to me in our unit block that I haven't yet spoken to Mm. about Christ uh, and warned them that they need to turn to Christ from their sin. Um, I also shared on Sunday that often those conversations are really blunt and and that can be hard. We try to shy away from blunt conversations here, but I, I haven't found a non-blunt way to talk about hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just been the reality of my experience of this. Mm. Getting to points in conversations where people have said, "Hang on, you think I'm going to hell, don't you?" Mm. And I've had to say, "Yeah, yeah, I do." And that's why I'm talking to you about this. I want you to, I want you to not go to hell. Mm. Uh, I want you to come to Jesus and be saved. Yeah. Yeah. We've. I feel. I don't know if we've digressed there, but that's been. A,
1: discussion, Sam. I hope that's helpful. And uh, I, again, I'm just really glad people are asking these questions and particularly mm. asking from the point of view of trying to think through how
0: do we take our responsibility mm. seriously. Mm. I love that. I think that's a great, that's, a, that's a, the right kind of question to be asking. So, before we move on, actually, because I've just realized as you say that, uh, one of the other things that we do see in Ezekiel is his response to speak. But not mm. responsible for the people's response. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's helpful. Yeah,
0: I, I spoke a little bit about that on Sunday, mm. actually, about where does responsibility
1: start and finish. Mm. So I talked about we are responsibility for warning, and Ezekiel is mm. uh, not for the change in the Israelites. Yeah. At that point, once they've heard the warning, they're, yeah. they're, the sin is on their the, yeah. the responsibility for sin is on the people. The responsibility for speaking is on the prophet, and that's yeah. that's worth noting too. Um, you, you actually, as someone who warns, you can't
0: affect change yeah. in, in the audience. Yeah. So yeah next question sam you you did talk a bit on sunday about uh you know seeing people within a church context that might need warning themselves yep and someone's asked well what if you see leaders within the church yeah who you know they're going for their own good their self rather than the good of the congregation yeah should a congregation member warn a leader if they see that happening yeah um i think the the answer is yes
1: um but I'm just thinking of a passage right now, actually, as you asked that, that I didn't think of as we were prepping it, which is uh, about uh, entertaining accusations against an elder. Do you, do you happen to know that one, where, where that is? It's, it's somewhere. I mean, it's either
0: Timothy or Peter. It, it'll be in there I'll somewhere. I'll, I'll let and... you flick
1: while I speak, and then we can we can bring that one up. But um, I think, yes, leaders are not immune from sin um, and are not immune from needing to repent and uh, come back to um yeah, re- repent of their sin and come back to to Jesus and and back to back to God. Um, so, yes, if you see that,
0: um, you you should um, do it. And yet there is a passage. Have you got it there? One Timothy five, yeah. starting in nineteen. Don't accept an accusation against an elder unless it's supported by two or three witnesses. Mm. Publicly rebuke those who sin, so that the rest will be afraid. Mm.
1: There you go. So there's a sense in which. Um, those who hold an office, offer an authority in, in the church, the authority of ministering the word, um, we don't want to be just throwing accusations left, right and centre. But at the same time, if there's a pattern here that a few mm. people can see, that accusation should be brought and um, that person should be called mm. on to repent and sometimes, where appropriate, publicly. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, I just want to also just invite relationally mm. and personally, like I know I'm a great sinner. And so if there are parts of my... Ministry or behaviour, or, or even just the way the way I operate as a leader and, and the way that I lead lead God's people. I, I would I want to be called to account. And I want to I want people. Now there are right and proper ways of doing that. Um, mm-hmm. You know I, I'd really appreciate if you came and speak to me privately rather than standing up in the middle of my sermon. You know that that'd be nice. Um, but please, you know I, I always want to say that the that the door is open for 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 comment. Um, in the same way that, you know, part of what I do in ministry is to call
0: you to mm, repent. Mm. And uh, I think that that's a healthily mutual thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that reflects, I guess, that as leaders, we're still brothers first in yeah. the congregation. We're not yep. some hyper spiritual next tier up of Christian.
1: Can assure you I'm not? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Cool. All right. Um uh, Lachlan uh, well I think you I we both I, mean, I suspect mentioned that Jesus is similar and preaches a message of repent and believe um, question comes thoughts on Zechariah being muted beforehand as well
0: yeah, good pick up whoever's asked this so in the Ezekiel passage Ezekiel gets made mute yep. by God uh, and Zechariah that's being asked about here is the father of John the Baptist mm. And I'm just flicking it open to find the reference. It's Luke chapter 1. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so Luke chapter 1, an angel comes uh, and predicts the birth of John the Baptist and his dad, Zechariah, doesn't believe it. Uh, Yeah. Luke chapter 1, verse 18. How can I know this, Zechariah? Asked the angel. I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. Now listen, you'll become silent and unable to speak until mm. the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words. Mm. So Zechariah's muteness there is quite clearly an act of judgment, yep. uh, both to show Zechariah that you know he should have trusted when he didn't, yep. uh, but it's also an act for, I guess, the wider community around Zechariah that this son will be a special one. Mm. Uh, this is one who has been born, you know, in a special circumstance, out of a barren womb, uh, and his father has been made mute and will then go on when he can speak to give his son this name John. It's mm. not a family name, you know. So all of that kind of comes together. I go, uh, John's a special person, and the muteness of Zechariah is kind of judgment for his lack of faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Now, I do think that in Ezekiel, Ezekiel's muteness is also a bit of judgment upon him. Yeah. Uh, so, in 3 verse 15 of Ezekiel, uh, we find Ezekiel, after hearing from God and being commissioned by God, he goes back to his fellow exiles and sits there for seven days not saying anything. Mm. Uh, yeah. It was an emotional experience seeing God. It's an emotional experience being told you're going to have to go and speak to people who won't listen to you. Mm. And yet I think we're meant to see a bit of disobedience on Ezekiel's part in sitting there for seven days and saying nothing. Uh, Such that then when God comes in verse 16 after those seven days, he ramps up Ezekiel's accountability Mm. and makes him mute. Not completely mute, Mm. but mute except for when God gives him a word to say. So no more can Ezekiel have kind of passing chats with his neighbours. Yep. Uh, He will only speak oracles of judgment against the people of Israel. Mm. I think that's kind of God going, well, Ezekiel, you don't want to speak? Don't speak. I'll make you mute. Except for what I've got for you. Except for my word that you can speak. Yep. So I think, you know, there's in both cases a bit of muteness as a particular judgment of God uh, to help drive home his point helpful um i think you've answered our next question as well lachlan well you can flesh it out some more if you want sam 3 verse 24 to 27 in ezekiel ezekiel's just been told to warn the people of god's coming judgment but now he's he's tied up and he's made mute do you want to yeah add change tweak yeah no i think i'm fully on
1: board with what you're saying there in terms of yeah it seems that god now um or it's almost like a Making him a just a, a one trick pony. Um, mm. The only thing Ezekiel will do now is be able to declare the oracles. Mm. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to see that begin this week. We're going to start in chapter four, and um, we're going to start to see some of the sort of um, it, it's you know it, it, it's Ezekiel's pantomime. It's he begins to just. Do it symbolically, and then he's going to speak after mm, that. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you said, he, he speaks nothing else. Um, there's also, I think, a little hint uh, at the rejection that he's going to yeah. that he's going to face here as well. In in that, not, not only will he uh, have his tongue tied up by God, um, he, he himself will also be tied up. Yeah. It seems, um, and it, that seems to be kind of. Um, Pre, preempting um, some of the rejection that Ezekiel is going to face, and often that God's prophets throughout the Old Testament mm. face as they bring a word of judgment. Um, the people say, We don't want to hear that, mm. and uh, there's a binding, so it's, it, there's a bit of a play on it there. He's going to be bound up by the people, but in another way, he's actually going to be bound up by God. He's, mm. His tongue is going to be bound so he can only speak God's yeah. words. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what, that's what I would it's say. It's
0: a hard thing being God's prophet, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, very, very challenging. All right, um, I think we're to the last one, mate. Great. Okay. So, uh, does God kill people who disobey? Um, that seems to be the, the, the image that's here through chapter three: mm. of um, if, if they don't repent, they'll die for their sin. Um, and and uh, so, does God kill people who disobey, or is it that death means separation from God, and that the natural uh, result, uh, and that is the natural result of sin? Um, or, and if it's that latter one, that death just kind of follows sin, well, then how does death in this context play out? How does it play out for us? Because we're born in sin, mm. separated from God. Mm. And, it, and therefore, is our physical death then the result of our sin? Mm.
0: How does that all work? Yeah, it's good. We did talk a little bit about this on Sunday because Ezekiel's warning, you know, the wicked person, God says, will die mm. for their sin. Yep. Uh, and that is the right punishment. The New Testament would likewise say the wages of sin is death. Yep uh i'll start on the last bit of that question is physical death a result of sin yes i think so if you go to the creation narrative in genesis humanity was not made to die yeah i think i think tell me if you disagree with me on this no. one sam i, I don't think yep. this is controversial yep uh but humanity while not inherently like in our nature as humans eternal yep we weren't given an eternal nature yeah yeah, yeah. our yep. life was always contingent we always depended upon something yep but that was made available in genesis 1 there's the tree of life that's right in the middle of the garden that humans had access to yep. genesis 2 i think not genesis one yep the tree of life in the garden Yep. and so with free access to that tree of life adam and eve could have lived forever yep in a good and peaceful world in relationship with god now they needed to depend upon god for that life but they were not made to die. And so when they eat of the tree, the judgment comes down. In the very same words that we have in Ezekiel 3, you will surely die. Yep. Uh, those words hark back to Genesis 3. That's the, the result, the punishment for Adam and Eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so at that point, physical death enters in to the narrative of humanity. Uh, and you see as Genesis goes on, you get to the, the genealogy and people's lifespans get shorter and shorter. Mm. and There's just this repetition now, death. Mm. Death is the result. Uh, I think that's really helpful in a world where we experience death and grieve death. Um, you know, the naturalist would say that death is just a natural thing uh, and that, I think, makes it hard to grieve it. Mm. Uh, you, you get people, and I read an article in The Herald not too long ago, uh, a lady who had just attended four funerals in about four weeks. And she was promoting a stoic view that said, yes, death is hard, but we need to accept it as a natural part of our life because only then will we deal with it well. Whereas it's the
1: Bible would say it's very unnatural. Very fact, unnatural. It's an intruder in creation yeah. that's come as a result of our of our rejection of God and of his um, bringing down the punishment that he, that he promised. Yeah. Uh, it's a, It's an it's a awful... Thing that doesn't belong, totally. To it, but hence, why we grieve at
0: such. That's why we grieve. That's why we grieve. That's why we hate it and try to put it off and do away with it, uh, but we
1: can never do away with that mm. on our own. It's interesting, though, that God doesn't murder Adam on the spot. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he says, "You will surely die," mm. but it's not like He puts down the fruit and then drops dead. Mm. Um, actually, mm. God, God, there's a grace to God. God then clothes Him. Mm. He does. He's, he takes Him out of the garden where He has access to the tree of life, mm. but. Mm. Adam doesn't die straight away. And so there's this sort of, there's a connection to the sin that, that the sin will bring Adam's ultimate death. Um, but but God doesn't murder you on the spot, which is good news for us because actually, you know, all of us sin all the time. Yeah. And, if, and if God were to mete out the punishment on the spot, well, it would be a very short thing, <laughs> yeah. um, but there's a, there's a graciousness to God that the punishment stands, but he, he there is a, there is delay, there is time, which I think mm. hints at mm. some of what God is doing in the world and, mm. and some of what follows in the, in the story of God's beginning of salvation, even, even with promises to
0: Adam. Mm. So, mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's way more we could say on this topic in question. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what's.
1: It's probably worth coming back to Ezekiel's time, though. What does he mean when when these people will die? And I guess part of the answer, I like, you can say more, but I think part of the answer is going to come out as we see this, um, the next the next bit of Ezekiel's message come out this week, mm. and, and what Ezekiel is particularly prophesying about.
0: Yeah, in this context for Ezekiel, it, it means kind of a premature death, mm. death at the hands of an invading enemy. Yeah, Babylon's coming, and people will die yeah. by siege, by sword, by plague. By starvation. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways they're gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in Ezekiel's context there is a particular premature form of death here. Yeah. Uh and later on, you know, the, the those who are in exile as Israel will characterize themselves as being dead. Hmm. Get to chapter thirty seven, the Valley of Dry Bones, and that's what Israel's saying to themselves. with our bones have dried up, we mm. have no hope. Yep. We're dead here. Yeah. Uh so yes, that that's the theme of death it's yep. around but yeah, I think it, it's worth us grappling with. Mm. The punishment for sin is death, and that's why we rejoice that Christ has been raised from the dead. Uh, death no longer has that power over us if we turn and trust in Him. Yeah, uh, John ten, those who die will live. Yeah, and he who lives and believes in me will never die. Yeah, Jesus says. What a great word. Uh, physical death will come for us, but it doesn't interrupt the eternal life that we now have. By knowing christ and and trusting in him, that brings us to the end of our questions for this week, yeah, thanks for texting those in or writing them on the connect cards. I hope it 's been helpful to keep exploring the issues of ezekiel Sam chapter four this weekend where yeah. it. Um,
1: we, we begin now with the with the message that Ezekiel has he starts to communicate it, he communicates it through a bunch of um a bunch of signs and symbols, and uh, we're going to start explore these over the next couple of weeks. Um, but, but particularly chapter four, a bunch of different signs around this this coming siege, as an army is going to come and attack Israel, attack Jerusalem, and uh, and really we're going to get a sense of how awful it is. There's a tiny glimmer of hope in it, um, which uh, you know, come on Sunday we'll tell you all about it. Um, and I think it also tells us something about um, the, the the real the, the nature of the wrath of God. But also the glimmer of hope that exists in the face of mm. the wrath of God. Mm. So that, that's where we're going, um, Chapter Four. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I, I want to say I'm looking forward to it. I'm. I am. It's, it's a hard, a good, a good word, God, but it's it's yeah. a hard one. It's Mother's Day, and mm. uh, we're preaching the, the judgment of God. Uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna be gonna be a big big Sunday, I think. Um, but um, this is God's good word for us, mm. and
0: it's important that we hear it so that we can see the hope that we have in Jesus. Mm. Thanks for coming with us on this journey through Ezekiel and we'll see you again next week. Thanks a lot.